You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Flash players exploited by DPRK's temp reader, also known as Group 123. ISIS may have a hacker help wanted sign out. We've got a Gen X botnet update. Scareby ransomware tells victims it will shred their files if they don't pay up. The Nunez memo remains a political Rorschach test. A Japanese teenager is arrested for writing cryptocurrency stealing code. Lori Love will not be extradited to the U.S. Peter Lavashov is not so lucky. And the FBI is not emailing you to say you may be entitled to compensation. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, February 5th, 2018. Exploitation of an Adobe Flash Player Zero Day is now generally being attributed to North Korean operators belonging to the Temp Reaper Threat Group, also known as Group 123. South Korea's CERT warned of the campaign last week. Researchers at security firm FireEye have been investigating. They say they've seen Temp Reaper operators working with their command and control infrastructure from IP addresses belonging to Pyongyang's StarKP network. StarKP is a joint venture between North Korea's government post and telecommunications corporation and an outfit based in Thailand, Loxley Pacific, which would seem to associate Temp Reader clearly with the North Korean regime. The targets so far have been South Korean. The exploit is delivered by a malicious Excel file delivered by a phishing email. Cisco researchers, and Cisco is the company that's been tracking the threat actor as Group 123, have identified the payload as RockRat, malware that enables remote code execution on victim systems. If you decide to continue to use Flash Player, you'll have to wait for the security updates Adobe has said it intends to deliver sometime this week. As usual, treat email attachments with caution. Administrators might also consider implementing protected view for office in their enterprise. There's also a possibility of waterhole attacks built around some South Korean websites. Security industry researchers, many of them GCHQ alumni, warn that ISIS is trying to recruit hacking talent in labor black markets. The terrorist group has hitherto excelled at inspiration, but generally flunked hacking proper, demonstrating little more than an ability to vandalize poorly protected sites. Europol and other police agencies have continued to assess the aspiring caliphate's hacking skills as low, but an influx of criminal coding talent could change that. So could increased access to commoditized hacking tools, a flourishing market for which now exists in various dark web souks. Some such criminal services have long been available. Distributed denial-of-service attacks can now be hired, In one example of this, researchers at Radware and other security companies have tied a gaming server rental operation, SanCalvicie, more closely to the Gen X botnet. SanCalvicie offers Grand Theft Auto San Andreas hosting, and they also offer to hit targets with distributed denial-of-service attacks, 
for the low, low price of $20. People are working to get the service taken down, and Radware says it's had some success in getting exploit servers taken down, but they also say that this has slowed rather than stopped the growth of Gen X. Scarabee Ransomware, a variant of the well-known Scarab malware, brings a new twist to ransomware. It encrypts files, of course, but then it threatens to delete 24 files from the victim's systems every four hours the extortionists aren't paid. In most ransomware capers, the extortionists simply threaten to up their prices. But a threat to destroy the data beyond recovery lends more urgency to their demands. This may be an empty threat. Security firm Malwarebytes, which has been studying the ransomware, hasn't found the sort of backdoor access that would lend credibility to the promise of shredding. It also seems the criminals may be implying they're retaining copies of shredded files that they could return to the victims upon payment of ransom. As always, the best practice against ransomware is secure and regular backup of files. Scarabee, to judge from its code, is apparently a Russian criminal product, and it spreads by RDP manual dropping. Its ransom note appears in broken, poorly translated English, and not, one should note, the artfully implausible screenwriter's broken English used by the shadow brokers. So these look like actual hoods and not cat's paws for a certain nation's security organs. Where are the brokers being these days? We are being wondering, by the ways. Hobnobbing in Davos with wealthy elites, maybe? Saving up the Super Bowl leftovers foods they could not finish yesterday because they lose appetite watching Gronk not catch final pass from Brady, so they will be eating wings and cucumbers while watching Olympics next week. Maybe be sharing snack with Fancy and Cozy. In the U.S., the Nunez memo is expected to be followed by other memos and releases. Reaction to the controversial memo and the controversial FBI surveillance it describes continues to fall generally along predictable partisan lines. More documents and controversy are expected over the course of this week and beyond. We close with some news of crime and punishment. First, the extraditions. British hacker Lori Love, who hit U.S. government sites in 2012 and 2013, will not be extradited stateside after all. The high court overturned his 2016 extradition order, but left the door open to Love's prosecution in the U.K., saying it would not be oppressive to do so. Mr. Love counted coup against an impressive list of U.S. agencies, NASA, the FBI, the U.S. Army, the Department of Defense, the Federal Reserve, the Missile Defense Agency, the Department of Health and Human Services, and the Department of Energy. It's thought that Mr. Love's Asperger's syndrome, which he introduced in extenuation and mitigation, played a role in the court's decision, as did the American prosecutor's presumed intention of asking for the 99-year max. The judgment said, in part, quote, the experience of imprisonment in England would be significantly different for Mr. Love from what he would face in the United States. The support of his family, in particular, would mean that he would be at far lower risk of suicide in consequence. On the evidence we've seen, his mental and physical condition would survive imprisonment without such significant deterioration, although it would undoubtedly be more problematic for him than for many prisoners." Russian hacker Peter Lavashov, alleged creator of the Kelehos botnet and reputedly one of the world's leading spammers, was not so lucky. He's been extradited to the U.S. from Spanish custody. Mr. Lavashov has claimed connections to Russian President Putin's political party. How that will help him in the Connecticut federal court that will hear his case is unclear. A Japanese teenager, said to be a third-year high school student in the Osaka prefecture, 
has been arrested on charges of developing malware that enables theft of MonaCoin, a Japanese cryptocurrency. So far, the only loss identified in the alleged theft is of 15,000 yen, roughly $660, but police are investigating to determine whether there might be more victims. The unnamed boy says he's innocent because I didn't do it with malicious intent. Finally, lies again receive a bodyguard of truth, in this case truth in the form of links to legitimate news articles reporting the apprehension of various online fraudsters. They're appearing in phishing emails to lend verisimilitude to what would otherwise be a bald and unconvincing narrative. The emails represent themselves as being from the Internet Crime Complaint Center, commonly known as the IC3. The typical fish bait is to tell the recipients that they may be entitled to compensation from companies that have abused them. If you open the attached text file, you'll be downloading an information stealer. If you visit the link to a fake IC3 site, you'll be prompted to enter a lot of personal information. The FBI warns everyone against taking the bait, and the real IC3 site is easy to remember. It's IC3.gov. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. In the dynamic world of enterprise security, identity architects and IT leaders face a major challenge. Growth by repeated acquisitions multiplies the complexity of everything. Multiple IDPs, MFA providers, policy engines that all need to coexist. This can lead to fragmented user identities and policies that create security vulnerabilities and add access friction. Strata Identity solves this. Now you can decommission unneeded IDPs and consolidate the ones you'd like to keep without rewriting apps or disrupting users, engineers, and app owners. Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using identity orchestration. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io slash cyberwire. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Joe, welcome back. Hi, Dave. So uh, we have uh, some more follow-up from uh, Nathaniel Yu, who wrote in to us. Uh, okay. He's talking about passwords, 
And, uh, uh, one of my favorite subjects. I know. Well, <laughs> that's why I saved it for you. He said, uh, instead of telling users not to write down passwords and instructing them to construct complex and long passwords, issue them randomly generated and distributed 12-digit passwords on a sticky note and teach them that they can easily keep them safe by adding a uniform passphrase to the beginning or end of each password. This is an idea I came up with earlier on that I call a brain token. This allows people to only have to ever know one password for work at a time. Now, that's an interesting idea. If you you can write, this allows you to write down your password right. because you keep the secret component of it in your head right. and you don't share that with anyone and you either add that to the beginning or end of a password. So it seems reasonable. It 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 seems like a good idea. I'm I'm gonna if I had to vote on this one, I would vote this one down. Really? Yep. Okay. Go on. So here's my concern with it. You're handing out the twelve uh, characters of alphanumeric information that are that are not to be remembered, and you're putting them on post-it notes and you're writing it down. So you're writing down a portion of the password. Right. So now if the user believes that the password is secure because they've got this secret piece, what is the secret piece? They're probably not going to pick a very long and difficult to remember uh, secret piece because they've already got a, a randomized piece that's written down. So this is where the person would say well, they'd add one, two, three at the end of it, right. and that's not secure. Exactly. Well, they don't know what my code is, but now now we're just back to guessing passwords again once I get your 12-digit your code. I can just go in and brute force your password using easy guesses, and I'll bet 80 to 90% of the time I can, I can get it pretty quickly. Rather than doing this, what I would suggest people use is either a password manager mm-hmm. or a two-factor authentication and a lot of times in two-factor authentications, you can do exactly what uh, the listener is suggesting here. You can prepend or postpend some extra digits to a, to an authentication token uh, that is usually either a piece of hardware that you have or it's a um, an app on your phone. I prefer to have the piece of hardware rather than the app on the phone. Yeah. What I have heard people suggest with this this brain token idea that I think is interesting is that you use it in addition to your randomly generated passwords from your password manager because you and I have talked about the idea of if they get your if they get into your password manager they right. own you. Right. So this way if you allow your password manager to create a long password and then in addition to that you have this brain token that takes away the danger of someone basically owning your password manager if they get into Correct. there. You know? I think that's a good idea. I yeah. think that's a good use of a brain token kind of concept mm-hmm. uh, because you're still using large random passwords that are difficult to guess or right. if not impossible. And now you're making it, you're, you're hedging your bet that somebody has come in and into your computer somehow and or they've gotten into your cloud-based password management system and now they, they have the keys to your kingdom. Uh, so you're protecting that by adding an extra bit of information to it. And then the idea being that if once they start testing your passwords and they find none of them work, they just throw the whole thing away. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good defense. Yeah, it's sort of your own built-in two-factor in a way. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Very good. Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. 
Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Vaughn, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. We'll be right back.